Welcome to the First Three Years, a podcast designed to help provisional teachers in the Jordan School District. We are your hosts, Debbie Fisher, Amy Wood, and Trisha Tini. We're so glad you joined us. Each month during this school year, we will focus on how to thrive as an educator, even in challenging times. This month, we are focusing on alleviating anxiety around assessment. As we approach end-of-level testing, anxiety and stress levels sometimes rise in teachers. But having a better understanding of end-of-year testing and what it is what it is for can help us as we prepare to give these tests to our students. Today we're interviewing Brooke Anderson. She is our teacher specialist over evaluation, research, and accountability. And if you haven't taken the chance to get to know Brooke, Brooke is an expert on looking at the data from testing and helping you see where you can grow as a teacher. And she, she's just wonderful. So if you haven't taken a chance to get to know Brooke, I would encourage you to do that. But today we wanted to talk with Brooke about end of year testing. Um, because we know end of year testing for new teachers can sound stressful and it can cause a lot of anxiety and we wanted to help alleviate some of that for you. So thank you, Brooke, for being here with us today. Hi, Amy. Thanks for having me. Um, so our first question, Brooke, is, you know, we just kind of talked about that the end of the year testing has that ability to cause that extra stress and anxiety for teachers. Um, what advice do you have for new teachers and even veteran teachers to help them alleviate the stress or anxiety that, that the testing sometimes causes them. In my experience, um, the anxiety around testing really stems from not knowing where the boundaries are and how the test is being used and in what it's assessing. So knowing where those boundaries are and being able to set some healthy boundaries yourself around what this test means and what it's going to be used for I think would really help with teachers' anxiety. For example, um, a lot of teachers worry that an end-of-year test score will be used to judge them and their teaching. Um, Just so you know, in the state of Utah, your end-of-year test scores cannot be used to evaluate you at all. Um, It can't be used to determine your school's funding. It can't be used in a variety of ways. There's a lot of boundaries already in our state policy that make it clear that an end of year test score can only be used to evaluate a student's learning. So we want to make sure that that's the boundary we set for ourselves as well. When we talk about these tests, we're talking about students demonstrating their learning. We're not talking about us um, as teachers being evaluated. Mm-hmm. So make sure you can reinforce that to yourself and others that we're always focusing on the student learning and not the myriad of other things that might come up. That's great for teachers to know, especially new teachers, because I think we worry that, you know, well, I lose my job because my kids didn't do well. And should I prep them really hard for that test? You know, and really right. that test isn't for your job security. It's more. For Not that. at all. Like you said, which is perfect for us to know and understand. So thanks for sharing that. Is there any other things that you suggest? Yes. Um, I wanted to be clear on that. For your students, it's also a low stakes test as well. Um, I know in a lot of other states, maybe you have, maybe teachers listening to this came from Florida or Texas or Massachusetts Mm -hmm. where their end of year test score could have been used to determine if they got to the next grade level or if they were 
you know, placed in a certain program. Um, but again, in Utah, we already have boundaries that we can't use an end of year test score uh, to make a decision, any decision about a student, their placement, their advancement, their retention, anything like that. So um, there are a lot of barriers around how that score is appropriately used. And I'd, for teachers, I'd keep that in mind and just try to lower the stakes as much as possible mm-hmm. for um, the way you think about this test. Because as you, as you said, teachers may think like, I need to go really hard on test prep and I need to have students perform their absolute best. That's not the case. We're not looking for the best day of a student's school year on this test. We're not looking for their worst day, obviously. We're looking for a typical performance. That's the goal of any assessment is to capture typical student performance. Mm-hmm. I like that. I think... I think sometimes I've seen teachers get so caught up in like a week of test prep before the end of your test and with reviewing and stuff like that. And I don't know that that's the best use of their time. Do you have suggestions on the best way to prepare the students? Yes. Thanks for asking about that because you can get really caught up in test prep and it's easy to do. And it's really a function of anxiety and not a choice of how to structure long-term learning. And so we always want to opt for the long-term learning, which we know is going to be, you know, the kind of instruction we're doing day to day and not just cramming at the last minute. So I'd advise teachers not to do any, any kind of that cramming at the last minute, you know, and don't use up your instructional time trying to review a year of content prior to a test. Uh, The best way you can um, prepare your students for the test is to help them feel comfortable with the test interface. Mm -hmm. Um, and your computer lab aide can likely help you with that, maybe is already planning to. So if they are comfortable with how to log in and answer a question, you're good. Yeah. And then everything else, it plays out as it may, just like it would in a normal class day. That's really what we're going for is the test is just another instructional activity on a normal class day. That's great. Um, that's good to know, too, that their instructional aides at their schools are available to help them. Um, I always found teaching that that was one of the best things to do with my kids was to teach them how to take the test versus prepping the content of the test because it's sad when a kid doesn't do as well just because they don't understand the way the test is designed. So I think that's an important piece that you're mentioning is to make sure they're aware of the editing buttons within the testing Mm -hmm. pieces and um, being aware of those things. So I'm glad you brought that up because I think I think that that's one way to help our students be prepared is knowing what to expect. So, right. Um, and then we know, Brooke, that you are an expert at looking at the data. Do you have tips to help teachers understand how to use the information that they can get from their end of year testing and how to make that the most beneficial for them? So one of the ways that I talk about the end of year test scores is I don't usually say the word test score uh, because we have a lot of maybe emotional baggage around that. Um, It's a demonstration of learning. So you can look at these test scores and think, what were my students able to demonstrate about their learning on this one day? Mm -hmm. And that's a really good way to think of it because it kind of lowers the stakes and, and limits what the test score means because the test is... Um, testing just a few major standards in your course. 
it's not going to test absolutely everything in your core standards, just mm -hmm. um, the most important standards. And it's going to assign students two scores. You're going to get a scale score, which, you know, is maybe anywhere from like 200 to 600. Uh, but the really meaningful score for you as a teacher will be the proficiency level. And there's four proficiency levels that a students could earn. It's proficiency level one is below proficient. Proficiency level two is approaching proficient. Proficiency level three is proficient. And proficiency level four is above proficient. So students would have to cross the line um, get a certain cut score to be proficient to be um, to earn a proficiency level of three or four and then count as proficient. Okay. And um, a lot of times when teachers think of this and they're not used to thinking in terms of proficiency levels, they might think, oh, it's just evenly divided. You know, like 25% of the students, you know, 25% of the scores are proficiency level one and 25% are proficiency level two. And that's not the case. Uh, those proficiency levels have distinct meanings. Um, proficiency level two, approaching proficient, is actually the smallest target that a student could hit with their test score. Um, and it's a small target because it has a very specific meaning. It means the student was almost proficient. They were almost there. Mm. And proficiency level three actually is a, a pretty small target to hit as well because that meaning means, that proficiency level means that you were just proficient. You were just barely over the line. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at your students' proficiency levels, it's often helpful to kind of consider students with proficiency level, proficiency level two and three as having similar needs. They probably need to review a little bit or um, improve their mastery on one of the major standards, but not all of them. Okay. That's an interesting way to look at it. I, I don't think I was as aware of the proficiency levels just being out of the classroom as long as I have been. So that's good for us to understand. Well, and the proficiency levels on the other end, the high end and the low end, one and four. Uh, the other thing that what you'd want to understand about those is that those are very wide ranges. So mm -hmm. a student get a proficiency level of one, which is below proficient, but they could be anywhere in a wide range of scores that is below proficient. Mm -hmm. you know, they could be near the top of that or, or near the bottom. So really it comes down to once you see a student is not proficient, looking at uh, subscores, they get a couple of subscores, three, four, five with each test. And that can tell you where the areas where the students are uh, demonstrating that they need more instruction. Gotcha. So when they get these scores, would this be in reference of them looking at their next year's class or with the same set of kids since it is the end of the year? Like, how would you recommend that they look at these scores? The nice thing is that any teacher listening to this, you already have an account in utahrise.org. So you could log in and you can see your student scores at any time. And you'll see scores for any student who is currently enrolled with you. So the scores for a RISE test are immediate you'll see them, actually the student will see them as soon as they submit their test. Mm -hmm. And you'll see them that same day as well in your teacher account on utahrise.org. So you can definitely have students take this test and then determine, okay, what do we need to do before the school year is out? 
maybe we need to go back for some students and reteach. Maybe some students, they've just really knocked it out of the park and they could do like a choice project or an extension of their learning. Um, and then next year, when you come back and you have a new set of students enrolled with you, you will be able to see their scores from the prior year. Okay, and that should be able to help guide the teachers on what they need to be working on, hopefully. Right. Awesome. Um, do you have any other recommendations for teachers with end of year testing that you'd like to share or just any advice in general? Let's see. I'd emphasize to teachers to um, keep the scope of testing limited in their mind and recognize that it's not gonna mean everything about the student's school year and it's not gonna be used to evaluate you in particular. So choose to have a defined boundary around how this, what this test means for you. Uh, choose to have a clear goal for minimal test prep. Um, basically uh, just, you know, you can lower the stakes and make it manageable for you as a teacher. Um, and then I'd also beware of any misinformation because with a lot of anxiety, people do have a lot of anxiety around testing and that can spur them to, you know, spread a rumor or assume that something is happening that's not really happening. And just know you can always ask, you know, Amy or me or any of your specialists, you know, is this true? Is this what's going to happen? And we'll give you the down low and let you know what's actually going to happen. Um, my email is brooke.anderson at jordandistrict.org. Contact me with any questions about assessment or testing or any of these things at any time. I would love to be able to explain more about it. Yeah, I've seen Brooke work with teachers and she does a great job. So if you're listening out there and have questions on anything with testing, not even just end of year testing, but any of the testing that you're doing during the year. And so if I know Brooke is more than happy to help you out and analyze any data you're looking at, or I'm, I'm always amazed when I talk to Brooke and I hear about all the different ways she has helped teachers with, with this piece of teaching. So Thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your insights, and we appreciate you spending time with us today. So, Thank you. At the end of the day, assessment is all about asking and answering better questions, and I really appreciate the chance to talk about that. The other area of testing we wanted to focus on this month was preparing our students. Today we are interviewing McKinley Withers. He is the Jordan School District um, Health and Wellness Specialist, and we wanted to talk with McKinley today about end of year testing and about how teachers can help their students to not feel the stress and anxiety that sometimes comes from those end of year tests and just ideas that teachers can use to help their students. McKinley, thank you for coming onto our podcast today. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Um, so what do you have some great suggestions for us on things that teachers can do? Well, the first thing that I try and clarify with people um, when it comes to talking about anxiety or fear or uh, even sadness and depression is there, there is nothing that we can do that will make these feelings or emotions not exist. Um, it's really just a matter of building our skills so that we can better manage these different feelings. So uh, 
our efforts to support our students are, they really come down to, you know, helping students build skills uh, that can help them manage these difficult feelings and emotions. Um, and we can also kind of prepare students and set the tone for how they will perceive their experiences. So you can kind of view yourself not as just a, a thermometer uh, for the classroom, but you're the thermostat. So if you're going to be setting this tone of stress and anxiety and, you know, that these tests are such a big deal, then you can expect the temperature in your class to be at that same level. Mm -hmm. um, but as a wise thermometer, if you are picking up on kind of student tension and anxiety, uh, you can try and adjust the thermostat, like by your actions, kind of approaching things with calmness, taking control and initiative on uh, helping students build some skills, some of those foundational skills uh, that would reduce anxiety. So I, I can, you can look at this kind of from two approaches. Um, one approach would be to just think very basically about students' basic needs. Um, a lot of anxiety and depression and uh, mental health concerns even though every individual student in your class is probably experiencing something unique and they're somewhere on that spectrum of, you know, really anxious all the time about everything, just anxious about the test, maybe not anxious at all about either of those things. And you've got a whole classroom full of kids that might be experiencing different emotions. So how do you address such a big, you know, thing for such individual needs and there is a way to do that. And that's uh, just thinking very basically about every kid in that class, although they may not share the same level of anxiety, every child shares and adolescent and teenager shares basic needs. Mm -hmm. So if you just think to how do they have their physical needs met, you know, making sure there are snacks or food, or if you're, you know, your principal or your school can support that during the testing window um, and just making sure that kids have enough to eat sometimes is uh, a great stress reduction. Um, and just thinking about that as the base of the pyramid, how can we encourage them to sleep, eat and move? If we do like a little wellness walk before, you know, like, let's take a lap around, uh, around the school before our test, you know, some kind of movement, some kind of food, and some and ensuring or encouraging sleep, those are like the pillars of, of functioning or re reducing anxiety. So sleep, movement, uh, and nutrition. Um, and then if you move up the pyramid, you can just think, you know, every kid needs to feel safety, connection, and confidence. So if we are creating an environment that builds on those needs, uh, we aren't going to solve the whole problem of anxiety. 
but we aren't going to make it worse either. And we're going to create an environment where students can confront those feelings, feel safe if they are overly anxious, that safety piece, you know, talking about uh, if it is overwhelming, uh, that we all need to get help sometimes. There are a lot of ways to encourage help seeking. So for those really anxious students, helping them feel comfortable in, we all struggle with anxiety. Sometimes you'll need to get some extra help. Here's what that looks like, you know? Um, that Those are some, some ways to just like help students feel safe in healing at all. Um, and then also just building their skills uh, for anxiety reduction, for uh, relaxation. There are a lot of guided meditations you could do with your class um, and uh, or mindfulness exercises, just some quick, deep breathing. Um, so that could be really if you're going to do a breathing exercise and you just want to go the simplest route possible. There are a lot of different models you can follow, but the key piece is that the exhale is longer than the inhale. So if you're going to do some counting, do four counts in, eight counts out, right? And that, that allows you to kind of control that. It doesn't have to be like the specific formula, whatever resonates with you, or if there's some, you know, outside resource that you could pull from, but giving students practice in when you're feeling this, there are things you can do. Here's one of those things. Uh, let's practice breathing together. Um, would be, you know, you're building skills. And that also meets their need for confidence, right? Students need to feel confident that they can face challenges, that they can uh, deal with the emotions that they feel. So those are just a couple of thoughts of, of how you could prepare or facilitate, you know, those moments with your students. And honestly, I, I wouldn't even consider doing all of it at once. You could do a slow build. Uh, if you're going to do, you know, your wellness walks once a week or something, or, um, you know, just, just trying to find small ways to empower students to recognize that there are things they can do to help handle the emotions that are a part of their everyday life. I like that a lot. I think, I think that's important that students are able to recognize, like you were saying exactly, like that they can do the hard things and that helping them have those skills to be able to calm themselves. And I think that's so important for teachers to be able to help their students do that. I also love that you said that the teacher um, can set that tone in their classroom because I know back in the days when I was in the classroom, I know I I could have been that teacher probably that might have made my students a little more stressed because I was mm -hmm. stressed about the test and mm -hmm. they pick up on those vibes from us. And mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to recognize what are we bringing into our classroom? Like you were saying, are we, are we causing part of the problem? <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? I think that's, and it's okay to, it's okay to be nervous about your own test as a teacher, but dealing with that by putting it on your students doesn't necessarily help your situation. So, and I mean, all educators do this and it's not, it's not a bad thing, but there have been a lot of crisis situations we've been to where the adults are saying, 
I don't know how these kids are going to get through it. I don't know how these kids are going to get through it. I, I can tell they're so worried. They're, they're really struggling. And you'll go into the class and it's pretty quick that you can kind of see this adult's not okay. Cause like the first thing out of a kid's mouth was like, what's for lunch today. And it's like, yeah, they really are overwhelmed. Right. <laughs> um, what's on their, what's on their mind may not be what we think is on their mind, but we put it on them because it's on our mind. So it's just, it's important to try and find time for yourself, take breaks, you know, if you need to take a walk around the school or if you need to vent to a colleague about the tests, do that first. Yeah. Uh, so you don't have to put it on your students. That's true. Cause they do, they do sense what we're feeling. So I love that you brought that point up. Um, do you have any other suggestions for teachers as far as their own anxiety or? Yeah. The, the key thing is, I mean, just in the same way of acknowledging um, that the students can feel empowered, that there is something they can do to enhance their wellness. Uh, as educators, we have a lot of things that are put on us that we kind of have to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it can kind of make you feel beat down that they're, you know, like there's, there's nothing I can do to make my you know, my situation better, but there's always, there are always small adjustments we can make. Um, and the scariest part sometimes is taking ownership of our wellness and just saying, I, I say this often that like, if you don't prioritize your wellness as an educator, no one else will. So you need to take, take breaks, take the time to, to be your best self because that's what your students deserve. It's not selfish to take a break because that's necessary for you to be your best self. So prioritizing bringing your whole, you know, the, your best self, which won't be every day, but there are always adjustments you can make in your personal life and also just in your work life so that you are functioning at your highest. So those are my, I, I would just say it's okay to take care of yourself. You, you give so much in this profession and in order to give the most, you actually have to give something to yourself. So. I, like that. I think a lot of teachers can benefit from hearing that message because especially right now. I know I've talked to a few teachers just even within the last week or two that just are overwhelmed and sometimes just taking a little mental break is all we need and it can help. Mm -hmm. but, so, well, thank you so much, McKinley, for your time today. And yeah, of course, thanks for having me. Asked, and we appreciate all you do to help our mental health here in Jordan. <laughs> <We're great laughs> we have you in our district. So, um, but thank you. Yeah, thank you. How lucky we are to have McKinley and his department in our district. As I was interviewing him, I remembered my undergraduate days where I had a professor who would always call tests, show me what she knows, instead of tests. And she would call them that because it just was showing her what we knew. It wasn't supposed to be stressful or cause us anxiety. And she'd always bring chocolate and mints on those days to help us to relax as well. 
teachers really do create the atmosphere around testing in their room. Thanks for joining us today. Before you go, we wanted to remind you of a few things. Remember the purpose of end of level testing is to help see your students growth and plan for end of year teaching. Be smart with test preparation time. Use this time to help your students use the tools and practice taking the test in the same format the students will see. And remember to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your students. You create the climate in your classroom around testing and this impacts your students. For help and information, visit our website at mentor.jordandistrict.org. Thanks for taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. As always, if you need help, let your mentor specialist know.